turn it on and rip the knob off. Welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade, a special holiday edition of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, Steve. How you doing out there? Steve Ekstad joining the show. I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing okay, and I, I think what we got planned here this week for the show, I hope everybody enjoys it because don't adjust your podcast streaming apps. Don't adjust your audio. This is the Clash of the Champions 8 Watch Along. And I know some of you might be saying, wait a minute, we just started September. Yes, we did. And after we took the notes and we viewed the first two weeks of September, we found uh, some of the shows to be short of, they're incomplete basically, and there's a few shows missing. And I'm going to do a deeper dive this week uh, into my own vault to try to find some of these things, make them a little more complete so we can cover the shows. We also found that these shows really didn't do a whole lot to add anything to the actual clash itself. Uh, It's basically more of hype pieces setting up the clash, especially the week leading into it. And so you're really not missing anything by us not doing the show before we actually do the watch along. So I thought it would be pretty fun to do the watch along for Christmas week, sort of our gift to you guys out there. So I hope you guys really enjoy this. And Steve, I I know when I, when I pitched this to you earlier today, you thought it was a good idea as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't want to put out an episode that you know covers two weeks worth of tv but it goes like an hour and a half because that's about how much content's available on it it's a nice little change up that we got going on here and i, I think you know christmas the watch along they're always more entertaining fun so uh here's our gift to you guys like you stated enjoy the clash a watch along yeah and uh it works out well i think it's a lot less editing for me doing the watch along i really can't force myself to edit out a whole lot of audio or mishaps and things throughout the course of the show so it saves me time moving into christmas saves you time as well uh, not not a lot of extra notes to take this week we'll be back with uh, the first two weeks of september tv though next week the week of new year so that'll be the way we close out we're still going to close out the the year uh, in mid-september just like we'd al- always planned so that's the way it's going to be but this week it's the clash of the champions eight the fall brawl Watch along the very first big show, if you will, booked by the nature boy, Ric Flair. So we're going to see uh, how that ends up. And I just want to thank you guys once again, for everybody who listens, downloads, subscribes, the, the numbers continue to get bigger and bigger every week. We've already passed. We're in the middle of December. We're already past the entire amount of uh, download subscribers from last month. So very exciting piece of news there. And yeah, I just encourage you guys, keep spreading the word. Keep letting everybody know we're out there. We've got big plans for when we finish up the NWA. Big plans moving forward for the grenade moving on past the NWA 89. But we got to get through NWA 89 first, Steve, and that's what we're going to do. And we'll be back after these brief but important messages. The Wrestling Memory Grenade is proud to announce the launch of WrestleCopia brand and the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, which you can find over at www.wrestlecopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com, WrestleCopia.com. You've probably heard me mention in passing all the way back to episode one of the Grenade, the WrestleCopia brand. You may be asking, what is WrestleCopia? The name derives from the words wrestle for wrestling 
and copia, which is defined as having plenty or an abundance of. It's an abundance of wrestling history over at WrestleCopia.com as the podcast network gets up and running with a variety of podcasts slated to launch over the course of the fall season. Everything from our show The Grenade to Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, an in-depth look and weekly breakdown of the entire Raw vs. Nitro War. The WrestleCopia News Network is a special feature podcast. We've done a couple pieces already in the Bullet Bob Armstrong special and more recently, What a Rush, a tribute to Road Warrior Animal Peace. You can expect more late-breaking news, timely discussions, and tributes to the fallen legends on future episodes of WCNN. We've also got other podcasts being prepped for their debuts this holiday season, including a territory-based show we like to call The Money and the Miles. There's an old saying in the world of professional wrestling that nothing in this business is real except the money made and the miles traveled. In this podcast, we discuss the territory era with shows focusing on everything from show reviews to yearly breakdowns to episodes focusing on some of the rare, lesser-known territories and outlaw promotions of yesteryear that remains an enigma. Stop on over to WrestleCopia.com for all the latest shows and follow us on Twitter at WrestleCopia. That's on Twitter at WrestleCopia for all the latest news and information on the podcast network. It may not be the showdown at the OK Corral, but it was the WWF versus WCW, Raw versus Nitro, the Monday Night War, the Ratings War, the NWO, the Attitude Era. While everyone discusses who won the war, it's truly the battles within the war that made this weekly episodic rivalry so exciting. We break it all down from episode reviews to backstage news to those ever-important TV ratings. It's Monday Warfare, the Battles Within exclusively on WrestleCopia.com. All right, guys, and we're back and we're getting ready. I hope you have the WWE Network queued up to Clash of the Champions 8. It's time for the watch along. Right before we do that, I just want to remind everybody, head on over to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia, because our watch along series, the all access tier, is now $5. We've lowered it down to $5. And no, it's not a holiday gimmick. It's forever. Forever, $5 gets you all of the watch-along series. That's anything and everything we do outside of the grenade. That's anything from the Coliseum video watch-alongs to the pay-per-views from 1995, 96, and beyond. It's part of the Monday Warfare show and so much more, Steve. So I really hope we get some people to head on over, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. We've been having a lot of fun over there with all the watch-alongs we've been doing there. Yeah, it's been a blast, man. I love doing them. The watch-alongs are fun. They're stress-free, and uh, they're they're not necessarily easy to get through depending on what you're watching, but we have a lot of fun doing it no matter what we're watching. So um, definitely sign up, tune in and uh, get your fix of uh, us here at the WrestleCopia podcast. There's plenty of content on there to enjoy. And uh, without further delay, I guess we can get this thing going. It's the uh, holiday season, so we're not going to bore you with a bunch of nonsense here. We're going to get straight into it. It's Clash of the Champions 8 Fall Brawl. From September 12, 1989, main event sees Ric Flair teaming with Sting, taking on the Great Muda and maybe Terry Funk, but we'll have more on that as the pay-per-view gets going. I'm going to count you guys down right now. Steve, are you ready? I am ready. All righty, then. Let's count down. We're going to get ready to press play in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Press play.
I'm a mark for that old Clash uh, intro, so I had to let that audio play. Just gets me pumped up and hyped for the show. Oh, me too, man. It's so good. So good. It's so basic. But you get a shot of all the titles. It just feels big time. Like You feel like every episode or every title is on the line. Uh, at least that, that should have been the intention, I would think. But um, obviously it evolved and things like that. But yeah, it was, it's a great entrance, man. The music's just phenomenal, too. And here we go back to the Great American Bash. This is right after Ric Flair scored the win and Stinger in the ring to make the save. The Great Muda had come in. Now the Great Muda now aligning himself at this point with Terry Funk. This is where we found out Terry Funk would be managed by Gary Hart as well. Ric Flair scores the win there, and uh, all hell breaks loose, and we get this tag team feud, basically. Stings began to align himself with Ric Flair. They're best friends at this point. Terry Funk and Great Muda now make up the JTEX Corporation, along with Dick Slater, who just joined. That's a great name. <laughs> Dick Slater? I love that name. No, uh, JTEX. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny that a guy got, went through his whole career as Dirty Dick. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how, how well that would get over these days, but um, it's a great name, too. We're in the old Carolina Coliseum here. Jim Cornette buddying up with Jim Ross for the show. They've been doing a great job on the power hour playing off of each other. They, oh, they did a really good job on a recent episode of world championship wrestling as well. Look at Cornette rocking the uh, red and green. He must've knew we were going to do this show for Christmas. He's got the holiday uh, colors out here in <laughs> September for us. And yeah, but uh, they, they did a really good job together on a recent episode of world championship wrestling that we covered in last week's episode of the grenade, but I'm still missing me some Bob Cottle here. I'm, I'm still old school, but I, I'm sure they're doing a, I'm sure Cornette does a great job here on the, on the commentary with Jr. Oh, yeah. These guys are awesome, and they crack me up on the Power Hour. I know early on in the year, during the like in the Observer, they mentioned how Jim Ross and Paulie were kind of like uh, Gorilla and Bobby. These guys feel more like that to where it's like Jim Cornette's trying to pop JR like whenever, every chance he gets. And it's just it's so funny. I find myself dying laughing during those little segments they have at the beginning and middle and end of the shows. And what we got going on right here now, Gordon Soley, let's remember Gordon Soley did a phenomenal job as the backstage interviewer at the Great American Bash. Really made this feel real, like a sports, uh, like it, it real, like everything was a real competition. The questions he was asking, just a phenomenal job. And here what he's doing at this point in time with Gary Hart is there's rumors that Terry Funk might be hurt. Terry Funk might not make the show. He might not be part of the main event. At this point, I think Gary Hart's telling Gordon, uh, not to worry that Terry Funk will be here. Terry Funk will wrestle. The, those are merely rumors. We'll see how it plays out. And Gary Hart's sweating profusely there. So it might be a little hot in the Carolina Coliseum. Gordon Sully's got a little bit too much makeup on, by the way. <laughs> Is that what it takes to make him look good? Uh, uh, little <laughs> makes might be what it takes to make him look alive here in 1989. <laughs> You're not wrong, man. <laughs> So we're going to kick things off pretty cool here, uh, Steve. I, I, remember, this is the first big show booked by the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And a lot of it plays, really almost all of it, plays into the current storylines. Uh, imagine that. Almost every single match on the show, it's not they're not throwaway. They, they all have meaning behind them. And I think it's Ric Flair trying to tie up loose ends on a lot of feuds that started before he took the book. And some of them, it's time for them to go away. Like this one right here, and I'm not knocking it. It's just, it's been a long time coming. The Road Warriors and the SST has been going on for months now. And this is basically the blow-off match. We're going to see who comes out the victors, uh, Road Warrior Hawk and Animal or Samu and Fatu 
still accompanied by Polly dangerously, but I should mention in recent weeks there have been issues between Polly and his SST. Yeah, they've been mentioning like on Pedicino knows. Uh, even I think even Gordon Soley mentioned that Polly needs to tread lightly uh, with these guys because he can really hurt them. I like their gear here tonight. They look pretty cool out here with the uh, Simone skirts and that uh, grass, whatever the hell they got going on around their necks. I, I even like Dangerously suit here. That black shirt with the white tie and collar. That's pretty I, nice. I, I must Definitely say, I, New I, I do miss the pineapples. Like I had visions of I, them taking a pineapple and like sticking it on one of the Road Warrior spikes. That would have been pretty cool. Drinking some of the juice. Don't do that to Capetta. Come on, Dangerously. Don't do that to Capetta. Oh, they Drop go back the a ways on. out here. Well, here we go. It's the Road Warriors. So this is our blow-off match between the two big tag teams. They worked. They did the injury angles against with uh, Hawk and Paul Ellering, and then everybody competed at war games. They've been doing cage matches on the house show loop. And now here we are at Clash of the Champions. We're going to see these guys end it once and for all here. To kick the show off, mind you. What a hot way to kick off the show. These four guys just beating the living crap out of each other. It's weird, no entrance gear there, no spikes, no nothing. They're just coming out to kick ass. Yeah, it's straight <laughs> to the names. ring. I still wish we'd seen those spiked uh, shin pads again, those shin guards. Those were badass. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were. But we've got What's some... What's crazy uh, is this dude's really not on TV a whole lot. I mean, you get him in the big matches. Right. Um, As far as, like, you know, the pay-per-views and things like that. But as far as TV, like, they was hinting at... <laughs> The issues with the SSD and Paul Lee, but I've only seen like one instance where it was a mess up or an issue. And you always like to point out the fans, Steve. They just showed the fans right there. And I mean, it's just classic 1989 haircuts galore there, everywhere from mullets <laughs> to uh, a bleached blonde spots in the middle of the hair. Just phenomenal. And look at Animal. Look at this crowd. Amazing. Let's take a listen. Crowd's popping pretty hard. So, yeah, we, we're getting going here with the Road Warriors and the Samoans. we got some other matches that play into some recent feuds as well. Brian Pillman's going to be taking on Norman later on the show in a surprisingly pretty damn good match. And I'll, I'll talk to you more about that when we get to there. But we have Dr. Death going up against Mike Rotunda. Uh, likely to finish that one off, too. I'm not sure, but I believe that's the end of that feud as well here. So it looks like Ric Flair's trying to blow off a lot of the feuds that started. And we missed that, the camera. And it's not the first, last time the camera's going to miss something tonight. Uh, animal pops Samu on the floor there. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Is Craig Leathers in yet? Yeah, I believe I've seen him in recent um, credits, so I believe so. And Hawk, man, just amazing. The Road Warriors are so much faster in the NWA than once they got to the WWF, and that wasn't even a year later. So impressive. Oh, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy how... <laughs> got to the WWF and just got lazy. Seems like everyone else did too. But um, I don't know if it's a combination of getting lazy, but I think it's also like a style they're told to work there as well. I think they're directed to do do certain things that you know. I, I don't know. Yeah, obviously the styles are different. Um, so you don't need to work the way you do in the NWA when you get to the WWF, and it. Makes it makes it appear that they're getting lazy, but it's just the WWF style. Do as little as possible, 
right. because the gimmick, the look, and everything else is what's over. It's not necessarily what you're doing in the ring. Oh, um, Vince only knew. He'd find out in a couple of years that it's all it's about <laughs> <laughs> the wrestling as well. When we see guys take off like Sean and Brett and and, th- and even, you know, even going into that Kurt Hennig, Davey Boy Smith guys like that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they didn't have talent that couldn't work. Obviously, you had a deep roster underneath, like, you know, Machos and Steamboats and those sort of guys in the mid mid to late 80s. Right. So I'm not discrediting Oh, like there's, that, but... holy shit. Oh. <laughs> Hawk, Hawk does his favorite uh, spot, the... Uh, shoulder into the post but he goes flying out of the ring i love it and I, i'm assuming this is where the sst is going to take over if they don't then something's wrong that's a hell of a bump by hawk sam we're going to work him on the guardrail what are they going to do here oh my oh crotches hawk on the guardrail look at those old broken <laughs> look at those old battered broken wooden steps Never... Steps have gone to hell and back. <laughs> Couldn't even Vince do a paint job for the clash. What's that? Yeah, I know, right? So I just... should be touching them up for every, every, uh, after every show if they had a dent. Well, that's why I said that. Couldn't even do a paint job for the clash here. Right. <laughs> they take a beating on that truck or whatever it is that they use to get them there. So the SST in control now. Oh, no, not a dreaded bear hug. Not in the opening match in the show. Right. Come on. I should note that I did a little bit of research just trying to get some numbers here before we did the show. I I didn't do a whole lot of research today. I just trying to go with the holiday spirit and just have some fun and watch this show for the first time in in quite a while. But I I looked it up, and this uh, this clash actually does the second best clash number uh, the first being Clash of the Champions 1. So things have really changed since Clash 6 with George Scott in charge. Uh, they go from having the lowest Clash rating now to the second highest. So that's a pretty good deal here. Well, it's amazing what happens when you actually book to get to the show. Yeah. You know, and actually announce this thing like a, a month out. You yeah. Know, Four to I've six weeks in advance. You got a card. I didn't even, yeah. like I said... I think I said it a couple episodes ago. I didn't even know what to do with myself. Like, like I get to anticipate matches for a month, month and a half. I don't know what to do. Like, oh, how do I even handle that? Kind of a demolition-esque right. move coming up here by the Samoans. Right across the face. But, yeah, I mean, um, I, a lot of these matches on this card, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Norman and Flying Brian because they did, they did a story to get to it. You know, this match. Obviously, all summer long, they've been leading to this. Um, the Birds and the Steiners, I know it's the Birds, but still, they've been these two have been talking and yapping and going at each other for a long time. So you're just ready to see the blow-off. And um, obviously, the main event is huge. Sting and <laughs> Flair together There's for the, the first time, and then Terry Funk. And hot tag animals getting Florida. ready to explode here on Samu. Looks like boom. Nasty back elbow. Yeah, just just watching this, and I know I already said it, man. It's just insane how much faster paced the Road Warriors were in the in the NWA. And Fatu and Samu, man, for as badass guys characters as they are here. Oh, Hawk with a look like a stiff shot there on Fatu's head. Uh, they do they do some great bump bumps as well here for the Road Warriors. So really good stuff. And now we got 
Oh, there's the phone. Polly threw the phone in to Fatu. Nick Patrick warning him. I don't know why you do that. Hawk bumps him. And the, the phone goes flying, and it clearly wasn't supposed to. And he forgot his spot, so he had to cl- come back in and do his spot. And now he gets the phone from Ellering covers for him. And how is this not a disqualification here? Didn't the referee just see him use that? Dude, it's NWA 1989. They don't give a shit. Wow. Oh, right on his head. Doomsday device. I was really shocked to see. Samu gets tripped up and the Road Warriors get the win. That's it. The feud is over. The Road Warriors are the better team, at least for right now. Hawk and Animal pick up a win. That was real funny there because Hawk, the phone wasn't supposed to leave the ring and it goes flying out. Of the, there's Ellering destroying the phone. It goes flying out of the ring and Hawk knows they need it for the spot. So he leaves the ring to go get it and as soon as he gets outside, he realizes, oh shit, I got a spot. So he has to get back in the ring and clothesline Samu and then Ellering, thank God Ellering's out there. He covers for him. There it is. And then they go to the replay. Yeah, they show the replay of Hawk <laughs> realizing he has a spot. Yeah, that's great. Great stuff here. And then there's Ellering. Wham! Right in front of Nick Patrick. Uh, everything's legal here, I guess, because it is, like you said, the NWA in 1989. And the Samoans celebrating. I'm not sure what they're celebrating. And there's the de- destroyed phone. Paul Ellering stomped it out. And it almost feels like, because this is what we're seeing here is the SST. Basically, they're done. They're, they're, they're firing Paul Heyman here. This is the end of the SST with Polly Dangerously. And I wonder if Ellering stomping the phone was an ad lib, because it feels like maybe the Samoans were supposed to break the phone here. And Polly's left uh, without a team. And this is actually. Ric Flair's way of uh, phasing Paulie out of the company. Uh, just more politics. Just like um, Missy Hyatt, Eddie Gilbert, and, and Paulie Dangerously. They were on the, the shit list of Ric Flair. It's coming. Oh, let's, we got to hear this. Evening of unspeakable horror. It's coming. Terrifying destruction. It's coming. A howling good time with the monsters of professional wrestling. It's coming! October 28th, Halloween Havoc 89, settling the score. A pay-per-view event bordering on the edge of insanity. Call your cable operator for availability, if you dare. (laughs) First of all, that might have been the scariest Ric Flair I've ever seen. I I didn't expect that coming, and oh, that scared me a little bit. But I don't like the nickname to that Halloween Havoc. Settling the score. We haven't gotten the angle here tonight to settle the score at Halloween Havoc. So, uh, <laughs> And the Cuban assassin made it to the clash here. And uh, at least we know he's not wrestling Tommy Rich. No, instead he's wrestling the mysterious Z-Man. That's all we know about him, Steve, up until this point. They've been saying he's on his way into the company, and here he comes. Who is this man? Why, that's Tom Zink. So the Z-Man is Tom Zink. Makes sense. I, you know, when you hear the name like Z-Man or something like that, you're thinking somebody under a mask or something like that. But Tom Zink, decent. Still wearing that Can-Am connection gear. Yeah, if uh, I remember correctly, reading back in the Observers, when uh, Zink first signed, when they were eventually originally going to bring him in, he was going to be called Mr. Z and wear a hood. And then they thought against it. I mean, it's kind of silly to put a guy with Tom Zink's looks underneath a mask. Uh, I don't even know if they were really working yeah. any mass characters at this time anyway in the NWA if it would have worked out. 
worked out a lot better this way, I thought. Tom Zink comes in here for this match. Uh, obviously, the Cuban assassin, probably not going to do him any favors, but he's a solid job guy at the very least and he, a very handy nice guy bump. to have in the ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice bump there going out of the ring. Oh, yeah, he's a great bumper and a great worker. Just don't let him, do, you know, start working you over with a headlock or a arm bar and we're okay. Boom, nice cheap shot right there. He knows what he's doing. He's been around the block for about 10 years. Been in the business a long time. Tommy Young with his even. I don't know that I like that here as Zink is making his debut. And now he's running into issues here with the Cuban. But it didn't take long for Z-Man to get back on top here. And uh, for those who don't know or don't remember, Tom Zink got his run with the WWF at the end of 86 after a Japanese tour with Rick Martel. They came into the WWF as the Can-Am Connection, and they worked into, I don't know, was it the spring, maybe the summer, before Zink quit the WWF, went home uh, for a lot of reasons, most reportedly because he found out Rick Martel was getting more money than him. Apparently he thought he he was owed the uh, equal amount of money, and uh, I think that's silly. But uh, that's just one of the stories going around. And, of course, he was getting heat for his dress code violations and thing, things like that in the locker room as well. He's uh, a man in his own world at times, is Tom Zink. Yeah. I remember, I think I talked about this before somewhere, but uh, the Rick Martell shoot, I don't think he had a bad word to say about anybody, except the only guy he did was really Tom Zink. And I don't think it's necessarily he didn't dislike the guy. It's just... These guys were over. Martel and Zink were super over, and for whatever reason, and he kept on doing stupid stuff to get him kind of in trouble with the office. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, Martel was really uh, kind to everyone uh, except for Zink. And, and again, like you said, he wasn't rude about Zink. He, I think it was more he was astonished or dumbfounded at just how goofy the cho- the career choices Zink made were when they were getting over and getting pushed to the moon and just to give it all up. Just it made no sense. Yeah, but here he pops up in the NWA and he did nothing. He left and did absolutely nothing. He popped up in and out of the AWA and things like that. And now finally here he gets a run with the, the NWA. Yeah. I mean, it's just stupid to give up a decent push, probably a tag title run. Obviously strike force got the belts and right. He's probably getting groomed for that. Just yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. They were, they were going to get pushed to the moon. Yeah. They were going to get all kinds of merch and everything. They were, Going to be like the biggest babyface team in the company you've ever seen. That was the plan. Up to that point, yeah. 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 Just stupid. Way to piss away your career, buddy. Well, he's here now. He's making a comeback here in September of 1989. He's he's wrestling the Cuban Assassin on Clash of the Champions in front of something like like 2.4 million homes. I think it was uh, 5 point something million people watched the show. That's a pretty damn good uh, amount of fans. So they're learning who the Z-Man is here as he locks in the sleeper. Not exactly the finisher I'd go for, uh, given Zink's abilities, but there he is, and he gets the win. Well, couldn't have went more than three and a half minutes. It was painless and to the point. It was very basic, but yeah. there's your uh, newcomer, Tom Zink, the latest guy to pop up in the NWA. And they're doing a really good job of really solidifying their roster overall. T- oh, no. Poor Ranger Ross. Versus Sid Vicious? Oh, my. It's funny. He gets the bumper here. The original GI bro, Ranger Ross, at the Carolina Coliseum. And uh, that doesn't sound, that doesn't bode well for him. Uh, the fact that he got in the bumper is great. <laughs> They're promoting the match. 
I would stay tuned. I wouldn't be changing the channel. If uh, here we go, what's this? We got a mayor. This is one of those mayor state. Oh, governor, even bigger governor Carol Campbell. It's it must be Ric Flair Day or something along those lines. It is the Carolinas, you know. And perfect time to do it. Ric Flair is doing the baby face run here, and it really doesn't last all that long. So if you're going to do something like this, it makes sense to do it right now while Flair's doing the uh, humble baby face gimmick here. Yeah, but, man, yeah. it's Ric Flair. Good or bad, Carolina loves him. Oh, sure. It just makes more sense as a baby. Yeah. Coming from the state, I guess. I don't even know that this governor knows who the hell he I'm sure he knows who Ric Flair is. I don't know that he knows. Uh, he doesn't look like a guy that follows wrestling all that closely. Well, if you want to be the governor of North Carolina, you better know who Ric Flair is. That's all I'm saying. Touche. So we know after this, after after this, this interview, <laughs> Sid Vicious going to kill somebody, I would imagine. <laughs> And unfortunately, the anticipation I'm t- is killing. And yeah, it's Ranger Ross. We see he's been up and down, up and down, and it looks like he's plateaued down on, on the on the downside. Now he came in, he got a pretty decent push, kind of fell to the wayside, started making a comeback a little bit there. Had some decent matches, started getting over again, and then he really hasn't done a whole lot lately at all. And this this certainly doesn't help his uh, career too much. Absolutely. This is it. This is the end. This is like uh, the, the ding dongs. I know he's around for a little bit longer and things like yeah, that. Yeah, Ranger but... sti- I know Ranger sticks around for a while after this. And they even try to uh, give him the Muda gimmick in 1990, stick a hood on him, and, and they don't call him the Great Muda. They call him the Pearl, as in the Pearl of the Orient, and try to play it off, basically give him all of Muta's moves. Last all of one match. So th- they tried to repackage him even <laughs> at one point. But here we go. Sid looks, to make it TV, right? Sid looks like, yeah, it's on TV. Oh, yeah. It's on an episode of World Championship Wrestling, I believe. But Sid looks like he's in, <laughs> he's not in a good mood. Look at Spivey's pants rocking the Zubas there. I love me some Zubas. Man, those are the most comfortable pants in the world. I had that shirt. Wow. I had that Olympic shirt. Wow. I'm having flashbacks. Childhood. No. Not quite. I wasn't here. <laughs> Would have loved to have been here. I feel sorry for oh, Ranger yeah. Ross. Sid has no respect oh, yeah. for those who have served the, uh, our country, clearly, because there he goes, and he dumps him over. Very first move, Sid should have been disqualified. Dumps Ranger Ross over the top rope, but we he's already seen the refereeing here tonight. He realizes he can get away with whatever he feels like. So, so here we go. They really showcase Sid on these clashes, these free shows like this, because Sid never really had a lot of big competitive matches on these shows. A lot of times it was just to showcase some murdering jobbers in a minute or so. I remember one with powerhouse Tim Parker as well. And Ranger Ross going to get some offense in? Wow. Sid with a DDT. What's that? The jumping DDT. Adding more moves to his arsenal. Oh, boy. Here we go. Whirly bird time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paulie was calling it. it. (laughs) Jeez. For the loop. I think that's pretty much the end. Um, Yeah, here we go. 
Teddy Long's like end it killing. <laughs> Goodbye, Ranger Ross. We hardly knew ye. Two, three. Sid Vicious doesn't care who he's in the ring with. He's not giving shit to anybody. Picks up the win, no, and Spivey not. gets paid to stand there and do nothing. Well, he looks he looks intimidating. I wouldn't mess with Dan Spivey. No, absolutely not. Especially after what I heard um, on that Undertaker podcast with Stone Cold, where he was talking about I think it was his Clash Ten. He didn't say Clash Ten, but he said Corpus Christi. And uh, Ooh, look at that! I'm pretty sure that's Clash Ten. Oh, I gotta put those arms up, buddy. Yeah, what happened? I didn't hear oh. the story. Uh, he's talking about how um, this is when him and Undertaker were, on the, were the skyscrapers, and he goes out there and he's beating the shit out of the Road Warriors with the uh, the chair after the match or whatever. And then he gets to the back and he's like, "I'm done with this shit," and just leaves. Like Taker was scared to give the, like give the shots to the roadies because it's the roadies, and he didn't right. want to deal with it. And the next thing you know, Spivey Spivey just up and left. He was done with wrestling. He's like, "I'm done with this," and left. Yeah, according to Undertaker. Uh, yeah, I mean, Spivey was in and out of NWA a few times to, doing things like that because he knew he had Japan to fall back on. That wasn't the only time Spivey came in and, and kind of took off on him. But they kept bringing him back. He just had that look, man, just an incredible look. Spivey was a tough mofo. I mean, you know, there was a, always that reported oh, yeah. fight in the locker room, the WWF, where he beat the crap out of Adonis. <laughs> we saw what happened to Mike <laughs> Blackwell. Yeah, that's a fair fight, Adonis and Spivey. Well, yeah, Adonis was a tough guy. I mean, really, you know, here we see Missy Hyatt and woman Robin Green right now. Wow, look at those. But Wow. Look at those two. And Missy and woman as well. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of no editing. I like having all of my segments in, in a show. But in this particular instance, I don't understand the point of leaving this segment in the clash because they can't use whatever theme they were initially played in the background. So they put WWE network music over it, but it's so loud. It drowns out 90% of what Robin and Missy are even saying inside the limo. So you really can't even tell what the conversation is about unless you listen really, really hard. And I don't want to listen really hard. I'll look really hard, do other things really hard, but I don't want to listen really hard. And this, I don't either. <laughs> this story here is uh, Ro- Robin Green's basically showing her true colors now. She's uh, this is the real Robin Green. She's I, Robin uh, Green. Yeah, and remember, remember, we never really got a, an, ex- an ex- excuse of why she changed from nerd to this lady. She just ran randomly did one day when Rick Steiner showed up at, at her her hotel room. She was just dressed this way with this look. It was, they just changed their gimmick, basically, and we're just supposed to go along with it and don't question it. And remember, the joke I made was the only person that questioned it was Scott Steiner. And that, that's that's scary when Scott Steiner is the, the only guy, you know, questioning things for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess you can say that she saw somebody who was going to be a big-time star but he's not all there and somebody she could take advantage of. So she lured him in by being a nerd or, or whatever she was. And then now they're on a date. So it's like, all, all right. right, time to set the trap. Now I'm not going to lose him because I'm at my good looks. So I guess you can try and figure it out yourself, but, uh, all right, Steve, yeah, you made up stories. Kind of you made up stories to make sense up until now. You've, you created logic that the NWA didn't create. Now I want you to create logic for what happens later here tonight. 
because this is fast tracked uh, to, to no, hey, we've been talking about that <laughs> to the max now. Yeah, that it has felt very rushed. But um, well, this I, next I, the, the next thing that happens is extremely rushed. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it's like she's been managing him for all of two weeks here, two three three weeks maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It just makes you. It just makes you wonder if, with Flair coming in that he didn't like it. So it's just like you can't get rid of her now, and this is a pretty big story that they've been hyping for months. But we got to finish it, and we got to get to where we want to get it to. And I'm done with it. So that it just makes me wonder if Flair coming in really changed things. There's your boys in the Oakleys, the fabulous Freebirds, Jimmy, awesome Oakleys, Jimmy but, uh, Jam, Garvin, Michael, purely sexy Hayes. And then the bell rings. That's the problem. They got to take yeah. them off. Uh, what happened to you, Jimmy Garvin? You used to be a, fu- <laughs> a fun talent to watch. He got gassed up here. He looks great. I mean, I- I'm not a big proponent of telling people to go out there and uh, stick a needle in your ass, but Jimmy Garvin does look great here in 1989. Really uh, filled out his body well uh, with the um, <laughs> medicine, if you will. The Hulk Hogan vitamins. <laughs> yes, the Hulk Hogan vitamins. Absolutely. And yeah, then, and um, there's Michael Hayes there. Thank you for not giving me any of this audio. I have no interest. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh, brother, that was a hell of a Sioux play. And it's up next. Is Freebirds and Steiners already? Are we really fine, moving into man. hour two of the clash? So we're what thirty minutes? In, I'm going to do a timestamp here. We're thirty minutes and eleven. 12, 13, 14 seconds into the clash. I just can't believe we're that, uh, we're that far along into the show already. And there's the Halloween Havoc promo once again. And that Ric Flair promo there, that scares me a little bit. He's like right up in my face. And that's not his voice. <laughs> Absolutely not. Man, this show is flying. It, it, it's not bad action so far. The matches, you know, haven't been long enough to suck. So, no, you you um, have basically what you have is uh, you're either establishing talent like the Z Man, like Sid, or you, clearly they have plans for Sid in singles as well because Spivey's just standing out there. I, I, I don't understand why they did this. I don't. I would have loved if they had saved the Ding Dongs for the Clash, the, the beat down on the Ding Dongs, the unmasking. That would have been a tremendous place to do all of that, like right there in front of the entire world. Let's just shit all over this gimmick. But Ric Flair didn't want to wait that long. Look at that, my God. It's the Steiner brothers. Missy's looking very nice tonight. I like her hair done up yeah. like that. You don't see that very often. And there's Robin Green, love, the like future one. woman. What's that? I like Robin's hair better that way than the poofed up ball that she has. The eighties <laughs> look. Yes. Yeah. The eighties. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But that one's a lot better for sure. Missy looking classy here, man. Both, both women looking great. Yeah, absolutely. So Missy's basically the brains of the outfit. She's not necessarily dating either one of these guys. She's with Eddie Gilbert, technically. Uh, so she's just really the financial advisor, so, so to speak, out here with the Steiners. And then Robin Green, the girlfriend of Rick Steiner, if you're wondering why there's two ladies out here with the Steiners. And here comes the World Tag Team Champions, the Fabulous Freebirds. And I can't wait to not say that. I just can't where, wait for that to be did, over. Uh, where's the other belt? Did Hayes forget his belt? Oh, they for, they've lost it somewhere. I'm sure there's a story somewhere. I'm going to have to see who's done a, a piece on this and look into it. Very good question. I'm sure somebody lost a belt somewhere. 
Oh my God. No shocker. It's the uh, Freebirds. Michael Hayes. Jimmy. He probably told Jimmy, Hey, let me have the belt. He said, no way, man. You lost your belt. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you mine. <laughs> Could you imagine the combo? Like you said, <laughs> no way, bro. <laughs> no way, man. You're the one that lost it last night in that hotel room with that skank, man. I, I, I was with precious. Women, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the 30 women or whatever. Not enough women. What, what do you say? What do you get when you get the free birds in a room with 30 beautiful women? Not enough women? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great line. Uh, I will say. That's probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Favorite. Jimmy Garvin. Yeah, I don't even mind Jimmy Garvin. I think he he's the only thing really about the free birds right now that makes it even tolerable. And there's haze I mean, of the moonwalk. as the years go on, but yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, here, well, you like, when you're hanging around Michael Hayes well, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can't help but eventually <laughs> uh, turn I into Michael Hayes. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's night and day from the Jimmy Garvin I knew, you know, from World Class, and even earlier here in Crockett. I think Missy's questioning them. Missy's questioning their uh, sexual preference, maybe there or something. Tommy Young, you don't have to question him. So we got this. And uh, some of the storylines, if anybody hasn't uh, been watching or following along with the grenade to set this up, basically the Steiners have recently formed in the last few months. And uh, there was a beatdown done on Rick Steiner, who uh, was cutting a promo, questioning the birds, basically like Missy just was. And Terry Gordy, the third bird at the time, took offense and it led into a uh, beatdown, all three birds on Rick Steiner before Scott Steiner could make the save. And uh, it, it continued from there. The birds got, ooh, look at that, nice jab. Scott Steiner run right into that. One of two moves Michael Hayes has, that jab, and then the DDT. But basically that, that attack on Rick Steiner led to a non-title match where the Steiners got the pin on the free birds, which led into a rematch where the birds did come out the victors, I believe. Uh, obviously the Steiners didn't win the belts, that's for sure. And yeah, the birds... I feel like this this show was the right time. I, it feels like I, the birds just aren't over, man. No, they're really not. And, they've uh, done everything they possibly could to get these guys over. They've got them feuding with more than one team at once to see what's going to click. The Midnights and the Birds, the Steiners and the Birds. Really, the Birds were even in there with the Roadies leading into War Games, and nothing's working at all. There's you've well, seen them work every team worthwhile, uh, every babyface tag team at this point, and. They're not getting over, and they're you know they're having decent matches at best. That's uh, about most you can ask for here with the Steiners and, and with the Midnights, and that's when they're not stalling, mind you. They they don't have time to stall here tonight. They were clearly told on the way out to the ring, you have this many minutes and no stalling because you know we're on live TV. So at least we we skip the whole stalling bit here from Michael Hayes. Well, that's good. That's always a plus. But yeah, I think I just think. Uh... This this night felt right, um, but I don't know when they even drop. When did they drop them? Is it in this year? Oh, I'm having a brain fart now. I'm trying to think who they dropped the belts to. Oh man, what a nasty! I bet Garvin didn't oh. want to take that. What a nice release, German there by Scott Steiner. Dumped Jimmy Garvin on his head. You're selling the night, buddy. <laughs> That's what Scott's telling him. Oh, absolutely. Jimmy's and now Rick's, you <laughs> Rick's in. Rick just, <laughs> Rick just sizes him up and punches him right in the face. I love it. 
Man, what a what a suplex. Whew. I'm waiting for something fun here. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, and Michael Hayes can't help but hit, take a shitty bump. Ruin it. Jimmy Garvin's of looking course. good. There's Rick. Rick going crazy now. Rick being Rick. And the fun oh, ensues. It can't last too long on live TV. I can't. I can't see it lasting too long. But to answer your question before, if they lose the belts, I'm thinking they do lose the belts. But it's to the Steiners at some point. Is it Halloween Havoc? I, no, I don't no, know. I don't no, remember no. Halloween Havoc '89. No, it's it's not Havoc. It's after Havoc. Not too long after Havoc, but it's after Havoc, if I remember correctly. Oh man, so we got like another month and a half of these guys. Well, they're not going away. We've got another four months of these guys, technically. But, yeah, as world champions, we've got another month and a half of the Freebirds, yeah. Maybe we'll drop down a peg or two. That's all I'm asking for. But I'm not I'm not getting my hopes up. But, hell, what's another four months? Just <laughs> Rick. Michael Hayes gyrating and Rick Steiner gyrating right back. Well, he's just gyrating at Rick's woman, so why isn't Rick just kicking his ass? Look at Aptor out there taking some pictures. We got a lot of camera uh, got f- photographers at ringside. Now that I'm looking around, look at that. There we go. The old Buzz Sawyer spot there, and boom! Wow, that was sheer power <laughs> to catch a guy Jimmy Garvin size here, Jimmy Garvin Royd size here in '89 like that, and just drive him over. Really good stuff by Rick Steiner. Rick's impressive, man. And I feel like he lost some. He lost a little bit of his appeal to me anyway when he cut his hair. Obviously, <laughs> times change and the years change and the looks change, but his shaved head after he had that, it is, it, I don't know. He just felt like he lost something. Uh, the gimmick morphs. You know, as you know, uh, by 1990, it's a little different. Just He just becomes, eventually just becomes a badass and we lose a lot of the fun here that we're seeing in 1989. And I'm so happy that, you know, he bounced back because he kicked off this, the, the year he, he was over huge. And then it's just oh, yeah. uh, during that George Scott period, by the time, uh, right before Scott got uh, fired, Rick Steiner is basically oh. uh, missing an action as far, as far as his uh, overness goes. Him and Eddie Gilbert really were, were screwed by the George Scott era. And then both of them managed to make a comeback, but Rick really Ooh. came back strong and woo, what a nice, Nice sell by Steiner in the corner there. And it looks like the birds will Steiner probably take watch, over. Man. Yeah, Steiner Watch 89. Like a long time ago, but Steiner Watch 89 was a thing here. It feels like forever ago. And it was. Oh, it was nice a long, long, long time ago now. But now you can kind of watch two Steiners. It's like double Steiner Watch. Because they're on the road. Oh, Scott took that nasty bump to the floor. They didn't really get his footing. And then Michael Hayes hit him, and I think he lost his footing and <laughs> fell out of the ring. Nasty. Garvin it's trying nice, to play the uh, badass here, ro- rocking those uh, punches to the forehead of Rick with those gloves on. So, so far, so good. The The birds haven't been allowed to really utilize their uh, rest holds or their stalling to to the max like they like to do. So it's really helped make this match flow. To where it's not really been bad. It's it's been decent, and uh, of course the Steiners making them bump when they really want them to. And uh, we see a cop jump down there. Job. Yeah, the cop, the cops just making sure it's nobody goes. The guardrail. Yeah, fix the guardrail. 
There he goes. Michael Hayes having a little fun there. Yeah, this has been a pretty entertaining match. I never thought I'd say that about the birds, but like you said, the Steiners are making them just sell when they want them to, and that's that's like half the battle when it comes to a match. Who's going to cooperate? Who's going to make somebody look good and things like that? And they're basically forcing the birds to do that tonight, and that's yeah. always a plus. Oh, Rick really sold that for Hayes there. Did oh. a 360 spin on that clothesline from Hayes. Yeah, well, I think Garvin hasn't gotten into complete lazy mode yet, so that helps some, but, like, you know, yeah, the Steiners are going to make them do and I think they're both smart enough to know that the Steiners are going to do whatever the Steiners are going to do, so let's not piss them off, probably. It would be, be my guess. <laughs> and I don't know That's what that is. I'm not sure what Garvin. Nice knee. Yeah, was that what that was? Just a running knee to the side of the head? Yeah, that's what it looked like, but it looked good. I will say this, so I, I watched a uh, – Scott Steiner, like Facebook sign, he's signing autographs to people, and uh, people was asking questions. And somebody asked, Can you still do the Frankensteiner? And I don't, all the health issues that Scott Steiner has, and right. I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's like, Yeah, I can still do it. He's like, I got to prop him up on the top rope, and I can do it that way. Yeah, he's been doing it. Doing he's he's had to do it that way for over 20 years. Once he got so jacked up, if you go back to WCW, even before he joined NWO, when he first got just ridiculously jacked up as the baby face, he started oh, having yeah. to do it off the top rope there. Yeah, it's been like that for a very long time because he's immobile. Yeah, but to do it at his 850-something and all the health issues, I wouldn't even mess with it, but right. I'm sure it'd get a hell of a pop seeing it now anyway. And we're looking for a hot tag I, here. I think- yep, and the crowd misses the hot tag. Or excuse me, not the crowd. The camera misses the hot tag. How do you cut away from that? It was there. It is Frankensteiner, and of course for and oh, wow, look at that! Just amazing. Just it's like a <laughs> standing Frankensteiner, man. Oh, look at Hayes taking a clothesline bump on his ass, man. He's just absolutely terrible. The shits. I think it's yeah. I think if Scott stayed this size his whole career, he'd have been just fine. I mean, oh, he's absolutely. jacked already. He was phenomenal in ninety and ninety one, and. There's no sense in getting as big as he did. Yeah, here we go. Now, somebody's tripped Scott Steiner right there into Hayes' DDT. Now, the only people over there. Oh, shit, DDT, by the way. Well, the only people over there at that time were uh, Robin Green and, and Missy Hyatt. And you might think, well, damn, WCW did it again. They missed another uh, camera angle. No, that was intentional. They meant to do that to leave you guessing as to who tripped Scott Steiner up because. Here, Missy points at Robin Green, and Robin Green points at Missy. So you're left to wonder who did it at this point anyway in the, in the broadcast. So obviously we all have an idea of who did it here. But see, even the replay, you see Scott Steiner get tripped up by somebody over here into the Hayes DDT well, as it looked like the Steiners were just moments away from winning the world titles, but they get screwed. I don't really know what Robin Green gets out of this. You think she would have got more money if Rick Steiner won the world titles? He, he would have gave her all his money. And there's Robin Green pointing at Missy. Missy kind of dumb. She really doesn't know what to what to do in return here. Well, the problem is if you look in the lower right-hand corner, you can see Missy Hyatt. She's on the side of the ring that she's at right now. You can see her pink dress. 
So yeah, that means she comes only one person left. She comes around that way after the spot, though. So, but yeah, it's uh, and then we just cut away like there's no other camera angle, even though there's we always have instant replays from other camera angles. And the other time, we don't have one here. Will Brian be flying? Find out next. So it's I guess we got Brian Pillman and Norman coming up next. And fun story about this match. You remember when we were talking before about Norman's like classic matches with Owen Hart and Stampede Wrestling and how good Norman was at being able to keep up with the cruiserweight style, for lack of a better term, cruiserweight yeah, style. Look, and here look we go. In the bottom right, when he hits, oh, it's, the, it's the reverse angle. You can see your hair there, too. <laughs> You're thinking too no, hard, I Steve. <laughs> I like I how. What they're trying to do. I like how they cut the camera out before the, the camera pans down and shows who's standing there. So at least they're trying here. At least Ric Flair's got some decent ideas about not giving away things, just giving away outright, making you guess for a little bit. So I like that about the, the that aspect of it anyway. Well, the problem is when you have so many bad production issues, people are just probably thinking it's an issue with the production again. <laughs> That's the problem. At least they've uh, made mention that he was tripped. I mean, with the way the camera angle was, he could have easily stumbled, I suppose. But the girls, of course, point, of course pointing at each other. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. But I want to get back to Norman here. And there's the big key, the novelty size key that keeps Norman put away. Or he's going to get Norman put away if, if he doesn't obey Teddy Long here, his manager. Norman, the lunatic. Even though he doesn't want to be called a lunatic, it's right there on the Chiron. But anyways, uh, what I was gonna, what I was getting to, as far as Norman having those great matches with Owen Hart and Stampede, was that he was told basically, I don't know by Ric Flair or by whom, to go out here with in this match with Brian Pillman and wrestle like he did in Stampede. Up until this point, he was given direction to act like a crazy person and use minimal moves, and that's that's basically some of the things that have hindered him so far. Just acting stupid out here. And some of it's comical. Him running into things. That's I found that uh, funny. But it didn't really get him over. And of course, he's like a two or three move man. Here's Brian Pillman come down with all these cheerleaders. So he's basically been told to get out here and work that style that he was popular for working with Owen Hart. So let's see how that works out here. With Brian Pillman, who's basically, you know, an, another Owen Hart type uh, guy here in 89. Oh, yeah. If if he was told that, then this should be a pretty damn good match. And there's drop kicks. Norman's taking him. He's taking bumps for Pillman early. I'm a, I'm a bit surprised. Goes down on one drop kick and a suplex right over the big. Oh, he forgot he a spot. Let him slam him, but he, let him I, he started to get out of the ring and he realized he he missed the spot. Boom! Air Pillman. Thirty seconds into the match, and now he rolls out of the ring, waiting for the next spot. So he's uh, giving away some of the spots early. Doug Dillinger sending the cheerleaders away. Wow, what a dive by Brian Pillman to the floor. <laughs> Pillman's doing everything he can. Probably well, has a short amount of time. If Norman was told to be a crash pad tonight, he's doing a damn good job of it. Crotchy crunch from behind. Brian Pillman got lured into that corner there by Teddy Long, and now Norman's going to make him pay here. Yeah, I like the fast pace uh, of the match. You can tell Norman's keeping up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And to be honest with you, not the big guys and little guys, it's really hit and miss. And sounds like just from the reports and things that you read about Norman, is he was pretty hit as far as it came with working these smaller, faster guys. 
Yeah, and here, right there, uh, that's one of Norman's finishers, if not his his main finisher. Right there is the that middle rope splash. Brian Pillman kicks out. Now Norman's getting a little goofy, playing a little Kamala <laughs> on his uh, stomach there. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, great. I wonder what's going to happen here. Is Norman going to? Oh no, he hits it, splashes Brian Pillman avalanche. Oh, nice! Into the ring post on and the Coors floor. Light pad there. It's yeah, Coors Light. light. Pad. It's the right beer Jim now. Favorite. Well, hey, man. When they He's going to try it again. Pillman moves, and Norman knocks himself silly. Hey, Norman's done that to himself before. I can't really feel bad for him. So why, he shouldn't sell it then. But he did sell it, didn't he, when he did it to himself. He's just silly Norman. <laughs> so who knows what hurts him and what doesn't. He doesn't even know. Well, he's a lunatic, Steve. That's that's the whole point. That's right. <laughs> Brian Pillman. Oh, missile dropkick. <laughs> Takes him back down. Nice. So these guys are really hitting the high impact moves fast. They must have told him, you guys got like three, four minutes or whatever. Get out there and get over, pal. Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're not slowing down. There's no time. Wow. wow. Impressive backdrop. Both guys. Very impressive. Norman wow. taking it. Norman's making Pillman look like a million bucks. Oh, absolutely. Pillman for the reverse body block. Norman catches him here. And a nice front slam. Good stuff, man. Back and forth. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, this is really good. Easily the best Norman match. <laughs> it's not saying much, but it really is good. Uh, easily the best Norman match here so far in the NWA. He hasn't really had to, been able to do a whole lot. He did have that other match with Pillman on TV that was pretty decent. I think it was on syndicated TV. Yeah. But this is leaps and bounds even better than that. They're really giving it their all. And Pillman sizing Norman up into a crucifix, looks like. One, two, three. I think he held him down. Yeah, Brian Pillman gets the win with the crucifix. The old small guy, big guy spot there. That's pretty, that was the hell of a match. It was so short, but there was bam, bam, bam. No yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those matches that only go a few minutes, but it's really is constant uh, motion in the ring. And Teddy Long not happy. He is upset with Norman. Oh, he's hollering at the playa. Oh, here we go. He's shoving that key in Norman's face, and <laughs> oh, Teddy Long threatening to deck Norman, but he's got that key, and that's what controls Norman here. I, I don't remember how they get out of this, how Teddy Long no, no longer has control of the key when Norman turns face eventually here. But for right now, he's still it's listening to Teddy Long. And it's off to the back. Norman being sent to the back. And more Gordon Sully with Gary Hart. I think we'll listen to what Gary has to say this time. Called me back here the second time. Man, you know I've got all kind of things going on. I've got one of the biggest matches in my career ever to take place. If you don't believe Funk's in the building when this is true, come with me. He's in the building. Well, all right, that's fair enough. I will check that out. That's for doggone sure. And I'll tell you what, we'll get back a little bit later on in the program. Right now, we're going to pause for these important messages. Stay so he does promise that Terry Funk is in the building. So Gary Hart is going to stay true to his word. Terry Funk is definitely in the building. No doubt about that. If he competes in the match, that's that's to be determined in the main event. And this show really is, the, it's your free TV show. It's Clash of the Champions. And this is really all to set up Halloween Havoc, settling the score, if you will. And here comes uh, Captain Mike out of the ring. He looks disheveled there. 
<laughs> when does he not? Yeah, Mike Rotunda out here. He's going to take on Dr. Death. They've been having matches back and forth on TV for weeks now. Of course, the best of three series, Mike Rotunda wound up winning that. In, in match number three, which went from a scientific match to a no disqualification match for some odd reason. And let's not forget about their fourth match that they had in between the best of three series. So it's just been back and forth between <laughs> so the two. this is the best of five then, right? Sure, why not? This is a, we'll call it, we'll call it like this. This is the rubber match. Uh, no matter who won how many times in the past, this is basically the rubber match here. They're basically going to finish up the feud here. See who the better man is, Mike Rotunda or Dr. Death Steve Williams. And Rotunda is basically grasping, grasping at straws here, just trying to do anything he can to stay over or stay in a prominent position on the card. But uh, this is pretty much really it for quite a while for Mike Rotunda in the NW as far as uh, high-profile feuds go that I can remember. I, I don't remember him doing a whole lot before he becomes the uh, boat captain. Look at this. He does he start. Look at these repetitions. Yeah, he threw him up in the air. Like, he wasn't just pressing him up in the air with reps. He was actually leaving his hands. He was like throwing him up above his hands and a nice tackle by the wow. doc. They're making him look like Doc's bitch here. Oh, right off. Hit the right off. Oh, nice close. That might be it. It was a nice clothesline. Right out of the corner, Doc charges in and runs into the right off. It's really the only good movie he had in the WWF. Truly. It was the right off. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm the only good move, yes. He did have one other move, the chin, <laughs> chin lock. Chin lock o doom. Yeah. Got to see that every you week on Coliseum. You got to see that every week on Primetime and uh, certainly every uh, – Coliseum video during his tenure there in the WWF. There was always an IRS match to be had. Of course. He killed the kid with that right off at SummerSlam, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, this is one good move, and he already hit it. So now he's out of good moves. What's so sad is, is he could probably be a pretty, pretty good wrestler if he cared. You know, Once I he think he cared. Out, I think that was just his style, really. And here, here we, here, here, here. it wouldn't be a rotunda match if we didn't get an abdominal stretch with the ropes. He, he almost put it on too far away from the ropes. He, he barely reached the ropes there. It's like, ah, damn, I got to do my spot. He loves that damn spot, man. Jeez. You think the referee would catch on after refereeing so many rotunda matches, but they just never do. He's just the master at this. <laughs> so boring and lazy. I honestly, I like the spot. I just you've seen it so many damn times that it's it's too much. If he just worked that yeah. in every once in a blue moon, I I honestly like the spot. As a kid, I I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, maybe not just him doing it, but oh look at this, Doc trying the sunset, and Rotunda <laughs> drives a punch into his face, and then Doc no sells it and pulls him over anyway, because he's Doctor Death, of course. High knee by the captain. See something new out of Mike Rotunda here. I think yeah, Doc's coming. I, mean, I think Doc Doc's coming into this match with some uh, injured ribs, but you wouldn't know it. Oh no, absolutely not. Quite Doc's a few a trooper man. Quite a few injuries on this show here. I know Doc has the injured ribs. Sting's been working with a pretty bad ankle at this point. 
Uh, we know uh, Terry Funk's actually got a staph infection in his elbow, a pretty bad one, I believe. But he's still here because he's got an angle to work. So this is the <laughs> a real man's man. Uh, at least that's the way it was portrayed back then. Couldn't get away with it today. Hey, if uh, if Macho Man is working the main event at WrestleMania, oh man, my God, how many times are you going to work that into a damn watch along? That's got to be like the fifth time you have worked that into a. It's like your favorite go-to story, Macho Man and his goddamned staff infection at WrestleMania Five. Hey, <laughs> it is what it is, my man. Now this is yeah, this is this is a little lamer here. This chin lock with his foot on the ropes. I'm not sure what leverage he's getting out of that, but he's trying, I guess. Best thing you can say for Rotunda here. No, but I get your point, man. These guys. There's money to be made, and these guys aren't going to back down from from doing what they got to do to to make that money, and really just to continue on with their you know respect for the business, their their love for what they're doing, really too. But really, at the end of the day, they're making a shit ton of money, also. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not giving it up. So it's nice to see a lot of blow-offs here on this clash instead of just wondering, well, what happened to that? That happened a lot in the WWF because there were four pay-per-views. They were spread out so far apart, and most of the blow-offs were basically designed to take place on the house shows, which makes sense. That's how you get everybody to go to the house shows. Uh, but here in the NWA, we're going to get a bunch of the blow-offs here in the clash. That's what I loved about the Clash of the Champions. They really, they, they were basically extra pay- pay-per-views without having to pay for them especially these early ones. Rotunda yeah, blinded crazy. doctor. Yeah, it's crazy to give these away on free TV, but when you're, it was all in what retaliation of WrestleMania four, because uh, of what they did to Starcade. So yeah. I think once you start it and you get it going and you see how successful it is, obviously you just want to keep on going with it. So, um, I, I kind of like this method of running your company more so than like a Monday night war type sh- thing where you're just giving everything away every Monday instead of building to a big match or something like that on pay-per-view. Whereas this was a one-off, what, every three or four months you get big matches and it kind of gives you a taste of what a pay-per-view is like. So when there's not a clash going on, but there's a pay-per-view, you might want to tune in because these guys are working, you know, maybe extra harder. Right. The bigger Whoa. matches. Wow. Uh, running press like slam. That. Yeah. Oh, nah. shit. That was nice. <laughs> that that running off. press slam. Yeah. He almost ran out of room there. He almost launched Mike out of the ring. Oh, he's got a little Jim Duggan stomp going now. Mike Rotunda might be in a little trouble. Oh, he's even pointing at him. What's really great about this clash is we're getting a lot of the blow offs and then we get the big angle at the end to set up the pay-per-view. So really there's no lost segment here on the show. Everything's meaningful. Everything's worthwhile. They give away everything they possibly can without really hurting the pay-per-view at all. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's something that needs to be finished, they finish it. And if there's something that's going to help them going into Halloween Havoc, you know, like what happened to the Steiners and the Freebirds. Miss that uh, right That off. sort of stuff. Then you get it, and it's going to continue on, and we'll see more of that in the main event. But, yeah, absolutely. You're not giving away anything, really. Looks like Doc's going to bring him in for the stampede. Rotunda's holding the ropes. Oh, we've seen this kind of spot. Well, Tommy Young gets involved there, and Doc does a roll-through. I don't know. I think Tommy Young, you can give Tommy Young the assist there. 
kicking the arm of Mike Rotunda. He had no business getting involved, as Gorilla Monsoon would say. Gorilla was never a fan of the referees. Oh, look at that. Maybe this feud isn't quite over yet. Rotunda with another write-off. Sends Doc to the floor. He's not done with him. And a stomp to the back of the head on the way off the apron. So maybe maybe we'll see these two again. I, I don't know. I thought for sure this was the end of it, but maybe not. Who knows? And this all stem, and this this feud really all stems back all the way back to the varsity club days. Uh, the, Rotunda started having issues with Doc and vice versa before they even dismantled. And then Rotunda blames Doc for them losing the world tag titles. Though if you ever actually watch that match, you'll see that wasn't the case. And Doc looked like he was firing up there. I'm betting he he chased Rotunda backstage. But instead, it's a promo with Lex Luger. Probably not a good one because he's going to talk Tommy Rich, but we'll listen anyway. A showcase event. The largest live wrestling video audience in professional wrestling history. And in every showcase event, Gordon, there's a showpiece. And then make no doubt about it. There is one showpiece in the NW today, and his name is the total package, Lex Luger. The man who trains the premier wrestler in our sport today. A man who was on a plane by himself in this sport today, undisputably. Lex Luger transcends just being a U.S. heavyweight champion. He transcends the sport itself. Lex Luger is bigger than wrestling itself. Lex Luger is the greatest athlete to grace the ring that has ever come along. And Gordon, tonight, in front of millions of viewers, Lex Luger gets to showcase why he is just what I've explained. Because a total package Lex Luger has the combination. They call me the total package, Gordon, solely because I have a million-dollar body. I have a multi-million dollar intellect. And you combine those with a desire and a capacity to win at any cost. And the total package Lex Luger is unbeatable. Well, thank you so very much. If con- so another generic promo by Lex Luger, really, right there. It looks like he's like resting on his laurels, like he cut a few really good heel promos when he turned heel. And now he's just like uh, citing uh, the same lines every week. Premier athlete, class that never passed, things like that. And here he doesn't even mention Tommy Rich as his opponent. It's like, it's like a generic promo. He could have cut that promo on anyone. Yeah, I, think, uh, I don't think he's too impressed with feuding with Tommy Rich. That's kind of what I'm getting out of it. They're really hard selling Halloween Havoc here on Clash. This is the third time we've seen the Halloween Havoc commercial during this show. So good job. And, th- and th- that's like six weeks away, uh, October 28th. So really good job by the NWA selling their pay-per-views, realizing that, hey, the further out we sell this, the more eyes we'll have on it over the course of the six, seven weeks. Uh, duh, you think? So somebody's making a little sense. Here comes Tommy Rich. Boy, does that not guy does that guy not scream champion? <laughs> oh Lord. Maybe in what, eighty two? Eighty one. He was world 81. champion for a few 81. days. Yeah, eighty one. Uh you know what? I give Tommy a lot of shit here because I'm having fun with him here in nineteen eighty nine, Tommy Rich. But I, I'm not gonna shit on Tommy Rich whatsoever, anything he did prior to this run. I loved him and I've said it before, I loved him in Georgia. Did a lot of great stuff in Memphis. Here in 89, he just doesn't belong. It certainly doesn't belong in this situation here with Lex Luger. And for those who don't know, basically what happened was Ricky Steamboat left, quit the company right after Great American Bash pay-per-view, and they were left with a void because they had intended to continue the feud between Luger and Steamboat, at least to the clash, if not to Halloween Havoc. And they were going to do a line of a string of no DQ matches 
on the house shows, but Steamboat was gone and they need to fill, fill the void and they filled it with Tommy Rich and it's still ongoing here. It's unfortunate. Luger of looking great. People, I mean, I know, I know we talked about this before, but Pillman would have been so much better here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Brian Pillman, even if they'd uh, had Brad Armstrong do a one-off here with Luger, because Brad's been around here in recent weeks doing some TV tapings. I know he doesn't stick around all too long at this point, but they could have used him here as well, just for this shot on this show. And uh, yeah, like we said before, Brian Pillman all day long would have been a much better challenge here. Of course, he'll get his challenge at Havoc. So can't complain there. At least they didn't try to do this match again. At least Ric Flair knew that this was uh they needed to finish this up. <laughs> yeah, thank God. And these guys have already done a match on, I think it was, I don't know if it was the main event. I don't know. They've already done it. A few weeks ago, they did a match on TV, though, with Lex Luger coming out on top. So this is basically a rematch. But these guys have been working the house show circuit. And I'm sure Luger's been having fun with that. I don't know if Tommy Rich would have stuck out as bad as he does here if he wasn't working a guy that looked exactly like 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 Lex Luger. It sticks out far worse than it would if he had been wrestling, you know, Norman or something. Yeah, Tommy Rich doesn't pass the eye test when he's in there with Lex Luger. It just doesn't seem to work, obviously. But um, I, re- I honestly remember this match being fairly decent to be, uh, and I say that because. Up until now, we haven't seen a good Tommy Rich match since he's been. Well, I take that back. He had a pretty decent uh, psychology, pretty decent storytelling match with Eddie Gilbert on an episode of the main event. Outside of that, he hasn't had any entertaining matches. It's usually 90% armbar, Fez press, go home. That's pretty much what we've gotten from Tommy Rich so far. But I remember this match being pretty good. And wow, Luger took a really good backdrop there. Uh, nice backdrop. Rich he really got up there. in there. No, don't let, don't hang on. I saw him do an arm bar or yeah. arm drag. I thought he was going to grab an arm bar. Let's let's not do that it's here. <laughs> if we can escape one Tommy Rich match without an arm bar, I will be blown away. An extended arm bar. Now, if he does an arm bar for a couple seconds just to get to something else, fine. transition if he right. Sits on it for two minutes. Yeah, if it's like two minutes, then I would be shocked. Somebody's calling a spot no. here. Headlock arm bar, or arm drag arm bar. That's about it. Hip toss, desk press, go home. Not a lot in between. No, definitely not. And we're already over an hour into the show. I think there's only. I think we only got the. We're down to the main event after this. So try to enjoy this one. We've seen uh, quite a bit of uh, a slew of talent here tonight, from the Road Warriors to Sid. To, God, this is the debut, the Z Man. Doc and Rotunda. I mean, it's nice. we've seen a little bit of everything. Everything that's nice, been going on in the NWA right now. Yeah, a nice three or four minute match between Pillman and Norman. That was great. So everybody's really made this show. Everybody who's been relevant in recent weeks, anyway. For the most, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but for the most part, well, surprisingly, the Midnights aren't on the show. Of course, Jim Hurt, not a big fan of the Midnights, but Jim Cornette makes it onto the show. I'm just waiting for our buddies, the dynamic dudes, to come back. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, unfortunately. Nice spot here, these guys going back and forth through the ropes. Look at that. Nice. Luger bumping good today. Luger wants to look good on TBS here in front of the 5 million plus. Oh, there it is. 
<laughs> well, I guess you knew it was coming. There it is, the Forever Armbar. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You've heard of the Forever Stamp. Tommy Rich has the Forever Armbar. It just goes on forever. Hence the name. That's okay. I don't think yeah. it's going to be on here too long here. It's, it's much like the free words. You can't really work the hold too long here on a fast-paced show like this. But he had to get it in. You no, should have known. Well, well, of course. It is Tommy Rich. Hey, brother, I'm out of moves. I know we said no armbar snap, but I'm out of moves, brother. There's a crossbody, Tommy. He gets a one count. <laughs> and back to the armbar. Luger's <laughs> right up. Like you were saying, Luger's selling pretty well. He did a great job selling for that match with Brad Armstrong. Uh, I think from last week's grenade, I thought he did a great job for him there too. Yeah. Yeah. Lex has been selling pretty good so, lately again. It looked like he tapered off a little bit after the steamboat feud. Maybe he lo- lost a little, uh, luster there because he lost his feud with steamboat, but right back in. Oh, Tommy rich schoolboy. must be learning from Eddie Gilbert. That's Eddie's favorite move. Eddie's second favorite move here, the inside cradle. So t- Tommy rich and it's back. To the armbar. Third time's the charm. You think he's going to get Lex to submit this time? Maybe. <laughs> in another, in an alternate universe. What if Luger just said, ah, fuck this, and just submitted right there on camera? Give Tommy Rich US title. <laughs> Walked out. Uh, pulled a David San Martino when San Martino did that and got fired. Who's that? Uh, Ron Shaw? Did he do that with? I don't know, one of the, was it Spectrum? I can't remember. But, yeah, David submitted to a bear hug from the job guy <laughs> and left the company. What the hell for? Uh, who Is knows? Done? Yeah, who knows what the, what the deal was. Backdrop there by Tommy Rich. Another one. Oh, missed the drop kick. Maybe Lex take over now. Get a little heat on him, Lex. Yeah, Tommy Rich, you know, that's funny. Some of the guys that haven't been the, the most fun to take notes on the last few, ooh, power slam by Luger there. Like Norman, like Tommy Rich, even the Cuban assassin. Uh, they've been forced to work a little faster paced tonight, and they've all looked pretty damn good, to be honest with you. Even these yeah. arm bars have been okay because they only last about 10 seconds. Those extended arm bars that suck. Yeah, they'll get you every time. Oh, Lord. Like that main event match. Oh, my goodness. No spoilers, but that was brutal. Oh, you mean the upcoming uh, Tommy Rich Ron Simmons match (laughs) for next week's grenade? Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. (laughs) We'll save that for next week, but yeah, it's coming up. Ron Simmons and Wildfire Tommy Rich in a, a barn burner of an arm bar match. (laughs) <laughs> and Luger minutes worth. tosses Tommy up, but Tommy lands on his feet here. Shoulder tackle. We kind of seen the reverse of this. Uh, I feel, uh, I thought maybe we were going to get the old uh, heel cheating uh, drop down on that sunset. Thought Luger might grab the ropes. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Tommy ducks a clothesline and Luger throws himself over the top rope. And that was not a micro tunda leaving your feet clothesline. That was just a regular old clothesline. And Luger still somehow Goes over the top rope to the floor. Finds himself on the apron. Tommy's going to suplex him back in here. Now Luger's blocking him, though. 
Oh, Luger on his head. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh that was rough. That looked like it was maybe supposed to be the finish, too. I'm not really sure. I mean, I could be wrong, but damn. Luger, talk about Luger taking a brain buster. Luger doesn't look happy. There's the Lex I know with that oh, smirk. Man. Oh, Tommy's still in this one. Yeah, that was a new definition of the word brain buster. That <laughs> Lex getting dropped on his head Ooh. there. Definitely not the way That's it was uh, <laughs> planned, I, I don't think. Oh, no, absolutely not. Tommy Rich is blown up. <laughs> I got to say, in another power, Luger's ran out of moves now. Now he's repeating himself. Another power slam by Lex Luger here. He's calling for the rack. We're heading into the finish. Looking over at Bill after there, telling him, get a picture of this, buddy. Here it comes. Nope. Tommy slides behind. O'Connor. Oh, wow. A nice bump by Rich on the back of his head. Went for the O'Connor roll and Luger held onto the ropes. Good bump by Rich. I got to say, man, we're, we're basically, this is it before the main event. We have not had one bad match tonight. Not one. No, I don't think, no. None of them. I, I think the closest to it's got to be the Z-Man and really... That was just, it was just bland. It wasn't bad. And there's a superplex. Yeah, it wasn't. I Too short to be bad. The wrong set of moves oh, yeah. To, that, that's uh, really what it boiled down to. With, but, yeah. Yeah, but like none of these matches have enough time to be bad. I mean, if you told you got three or four minutes, you go out there and just do everything you can and get it over and, and go home. So you, when you're working like that, it's probably a lot easier. Lex Luger going to the top rope? I think not. Nothing good can come of this, Steve. Oh, trust me, I know. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but he missed it. And it's time for Tommy Rich to... Hey, man, I'm going to fire up on him. I'm going to get him in a big arm bar this time, let me tell you, brother. That was a sweet camera angle, though. And the Don of the Easy. FBI here. The wildfire laying in some, oh, he's, where's Tommy going? He's going to get the Lawler fist drop here. Is that where we're going to get? Channel some Memphis. Got to get in that Lawler spot. Luger, <laughs> Luger sells the fist drop, gets a two count. I'll say this really much, man. Le Lex is really giving, Tommy's really come to work tonight. He really has. And there's the Thez press, and it de looked decent, but he's not even hooking the legs with it. And that's where I have a problem. And that allows Luger to get his foot on the rope. If, if that's your finisher, you should know how to execute it, you would think. Luger taking a powder. Now we're outside. Feels like we're heading into the finish. Oh, Tommy punches the ring post. He already looks like he's got like a wrist brace on or something there. I'm not really sure what's going on with his arm. That's his elbow pad that just fell down. Oh, okay. Yeah. He applies the sleeper with Luger on the apron. Where's the logic in that? You're trying to win a world title here. And that's what happens. Snaps Tommy's neck across the top rope. One, two, three. Luger picks up the win. No cheating. Clean win. Didn't even use the ropes with his feet. I'm surprised. I, I thought we were at least going to get that. But Luger picks it up. Just sort of a hot shot, if you will. Drop Tommy Rich's throat across the top rope, and Luger picks up the win, retains the title. 
Look at Tommy coming back. What is that? <laughs> is that ad lib? What the hell's going on here? Sore loser. <laughs> yeah, Luger, Luger drops the belt. Really he looks like he's really pissed. He's, he dropped the damn U.S. title. Looks like he's ready, ready to fight him. Oh, man. That's it for Tommy Rich oh. and the uh, U.S. title run against Lex Luger here. And you know what? For as for as bad as Rich has been uh, in in his up matches, at least at least we got a decent payoff match between the two. Yeah, here we go. What, what's Gary Hart saying this time? Well, Third we'll time's charm. Shit, he's going to tell us now. That I feel that I should let you and the nation know. I have a certified letter from a doctor in Alexandria, Louisiana, who performed the operation on Terry Funk. As you well know, he's in the building. And the film that you'll see is self-explanatory. All right, I understand he's delivered a uh, tape to the uh, engineers. Let's take a look. You simple-minded people have your nerve to come into this hospital room to gloat at me in pain. This is what Ric Flair did to me when he repeatedly beat on my arm with that branding iron. It became infected, and I came that far from losing my arm. Oh, does that sound funny to you people? Oh, I'll bet you enjoy that, don't you? Well, how are you gonna enjoy Tuesday night's clash? Because I am going to be there if I have to crawl out of the Lady of the Lake here in Louisiana and crawl all the way to Atlanta. I will, because I will be there Tuesday night. Don't change your dial off of WTBS. Leave it on there, because you're going to see Terry Funk get Ric Flair. I promise you that, damn it. Well, he said damn it, so he must mean it. And uh, I'm just hoping Terry Funk uh, made his way to uh, South Carolina because he said he was coming to yeah. Atlanta. And if he's in Atlanta, he's going to miss the clash completely. And ah, ah. Shot. Oh, here we go. The stinger and the nature boy. These I got to guys... ask, have you noticed? Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, but the background's blue for the good guys. It's the only face promo we've had all night. But the other one was brown, darker for evil. For oh, the bad okay. guys. Is that what it represents? I just know. I'm guessing. Yeah, there haven't been a lot of. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say there are. There haven't been any babyface promos, have there? Uh, uh-uh. all the hills uh-huh. had the brown, and then they, they, these two get the blue. Well, hey, man, it's uh, that's Ric Flair for it's, you, man. He's he's <laughs> booking 101. It's like, uh, what do they say? Uh, the color blue gets you the most sympathy. They're the good guys. So hey, woo. What's really sad here? His finger on this too. No, no hell this no. Clayton, no. Clayton no, this, this is, is this is a David Crockett thing. David Crockett pretty much became in charge of the production as far as things like this, I believe. Well, I like it. Yeah, he so did a lot of uh, he did a lot of the um setups, the ring entrances, the 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 ramp and the the, the nonsense like in the Halloween Havoc where you would have the old uh, tombstones and things. A lot of that stuff was David Crockett's idea. Like he, he was in charge of a lot of that. I know. I don't know what he, what he was doing here in '89 because he had a, he was a jack of all trades by, behind the scenes. Once they pulled him off TV, a lot of people think David Crockett got taken off TV and he was done. The Crockett's were gone. That's not true at all. David Crockett was there the entire duration of Turner. 
So he was just working behind the scenes. It's crazy that we never even saw him pop up on TV ever. That's just how bad he was, I suppose. And look at him. Look at him, Steve. Look at him. Look at him, both of them. Watch this. Watch this. Woo! See that? Oh. <laughs> uh-uh, we're going back to ringside for the main event. Thank you, Gordon. So they're continuing to utilize Gordon Soley, and he'll come into big-time play at the Clash of the Champions 9 during the Funk and Flair match. Great commentary there when Gordon Soley. I, I don't know whose idea it was to put him in there for that, that spot, but he does a tremendous job. I can't wait for that. But we got this first, and as you can see, that is not Terry Funk. That is Dick Slater out here. And you might also see something, Steve, around the waist of the great Muda. That's the NWA television title. Yes, Muda won, beat Sting. He won at at the Omni in Atlanta on September 3rd in a rematch, a no-disqualification match between Sting and the great Muda. Muda is the new television champion. And... uh, that injury to Terry Funk is legit. It's a staph infection, as I pointed out before. That's why he's not cleared here to wrestle. We will see him before the show ends. Spoiler alert there. So Dick Slater is stepping in to replace Funk in this match, and Dick Slater couldn't have gotten here at a better time. Uh, otherwise, I don't even know what they would have done here to replace uh, <laughs> Funk for this match. If they'd had to look around and just grab somebody out of the backstage area, it would have been inter- Iron Sheik, Ron Simmons. Who the hell knows what oh, they would have done? Do you think? I can't remember what I was even going to say. Um, uh, that's because I blew your mind with the Iron Sheik here in the main event with the Great Muda. No, no, um, <laughs> I figured it out. So, do you think that with him having his back injury and things like that, that they maybe brought in somebody else just as insurance, just to be safe? And Dick Slater was out there, and he kind of fits the bill a little bit. It's possible. I mean, we do see Funk uh, work through a few injuries. Uh, there's some other nagging injuries, too, but a lot of guys did have it at this point. Sting's working on an yeah. ankle injury here as well, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, I think it's just a wise call to bring Slater in. I think it's funny that Slater shows up as soon as Flair takes over the book. I don't know Flair's background with Dick Slater. I don't know that they were, like, real chummy, but it just seemed really odd otherwise that Slater just pops up as soon as Flair takes over the book here. It's really smart. A business decision, uh, like you said, having a guy who can kind of replace Funk as needed because I know Dick Slater did replace Funk in a lot of the house show matches with Ric Flair. There were uh, Texas death matches planned, and Funk worked some of them, but he couldn't work all of them, obviously, with the staff infection. So Slater wound up taking his place in those. And for those of you who are bummed, I got Dick Slater instead of Terry Funk. Yeah, I mean, name value-wise, I, I get it all day long, but I'm sure Slater really gave Flair a hell of a fight Texas death match. Oh, yeah. Slater is one of those guys that he'd stick in there. He's probably going to have a decent match, especially in something like that. Uh, he's just one of those tough, old-looking guys anyway. He just fits the bill, like you said. I don't. He, he kind of reminds me of Terry Funk a lot, too, just the way he looks and the way he works. Obviously, he's not Terry Funk. There's nobody like Terry Funk. But in 1989, Dick Slater is not, not a bad, bad replacement. It could be a lot worse. And here's the fun thing here with all of these arm injuries and things. And we go back to that promo a few minutes ago with Terry Funk saying that he got hit with the branding iron on TV, and that's why he got a staph infection. It was Slater who took the branding iron, not Terry Funk. So Terry Funk's rewriting the story. Uh, once more, even more funny, is Dick Slater's rocking a cast here because they sold it like his arm was broken during that melee when Ric Flair nailed him with the branding iron three times. The issue is he hit him in the shoulder. 
Dick Slater has the cast down on his wrist. Makes sense. Sure. Trying at to make logic here, man. At least they're trying. Yeah, at least they're trying. Can't really cast up a shoulder and work a match. And we got the yeah. great Muda in here with Sting. Get him one of those big-ass arm things with the, the the pole in the middle to keep it stable and unmovable. <laughs> That'd be a great match. And this is it, Steve. We're in the main event of the show. Talk about flying by. This may have been the fastest uh, show yet as far as uh, just making it, just doing a, a watch-along. Yeah, I mean, outside of maybe those Saturday night main events for the Patreon people, um, those back, those shows always go fast too, and this one does too. The the action is just bam, bam. It does. It never stops. It's crazy uh, how fast and furious the action is here. <laughs> Tommy Young taking a, a, good. a bump for no reason. Yeah, man, it's and it's good action. It's not. It's not like it's been bad at all. It's been really good action. Like you tell people you're going to get a Lex Luger and. Tommy Rich match and a <laughs> Z-Man Cuban assassin. They're going to be like, that sounds like a shit card. And it's like, no, nah, just go watch it. It's very good. It's very entertaining. It's fast paced. And I think I, time to rest. I think I mentioned it an episode or two ago, a lot of people sleep on this clash. Everybody remembers clash six for the big one hour match with uh, flair and steamboat. Everybody remembers clash seven simply because it was in Fort Bragg and it had that novelty gimmick to it. Everybody remembers clash nine as they should for Funk and Flair, basically Funk's retirement match, one of uh, 812, uh, basically, you know, right there. So nobody really talks about Clash 8 at all. You never hear it mentioned. And it's a shame because it's from top to bottom, it may be the only Clash that there's just never a dull moment. Every match is good. Now, I'm not saying there there might not be other Clashes like that, but uh, you have, I don't know how many matches we've seen here, more than a half dozen, and not one of them bad. You normally can't say that. Dick Slater, <laughs> Finds himself upside down in the corner. Get a little too, a little too rambunctious. Overzealous Dick Slater in the corner. Oh man. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I think too. Also, that hurts this one is the next month you get the very first Halloween Havoc that people remember. So, um, it's just sandwiched in between two shows and things like that. That meant a lot. And then you also have the Great American Bash. You have. Uh, the Bash Tour with the big show in the Omni, things like that. So there's a lot going on that it's not like this is a throwaway show, but wow. it's definitely one of those that's kind of in between a lot of big, big-time shows and uh, some great action here early on by Sting and Muda. Yeah, you know what's funny right there is Muda took a backdrop, and he popped up faster than Sting turned around from giving the backdrop. He was already waiting for the next spot, and Sting, who never even left his feet, had, he was he was already waiting for Sting, so just again showing you how great the great Muta is, truly is. Oh, Flair is gonna lay him in. Oh, nasty chops! Now this would be <laughs> fun. I, I'd love, I'd have loved to have seen a legit match between Flair and Muta. And when I say legit, I I don't count Starcade. But I would have loved to have seen these two actually give it a go, be given 20, 25 minutes, whatever, and just had a real match. That would have been a hell of a hell of a good time. Oh, yeah. There we go. Dick Slater doing know. his best Terry Funk. Yep. <laughs> Got the boxing stance going on. I want to know why it's legal for Slater to work with this cast. I mean, I know Bob Orton did it forever, but if you use that cast, you can get disqualified. 
Tommy Young going to have to pay attention. Here, here I am again talking about disqualifications in the NWA, though. Great bumping by Dick Slater. He's doing his best impression. <laughs> well, you we could. Muda's eyes bulged out. When yeah, Flair when Flair was popping him. Oh, yeah, it was great. Great selling. Yeah, Muda with the paint on and everything and still uh, oh, did yeah. a great job selling it. Those, those eyes those eyes look awesome with the red paint surrounding them. Like, you could really see him bugging out. It was, it was cool looking. Yeah, it almost looked like a cartoon. They, they almost looked like they really did yeah. pop out of his uh, eye, eye sockets. <laughs> Just good stuff. Man, I could watch these guys all day long. Flair, Muda, Sting. That's that's kind of why I was really happy about watching the 1989 NWA to start the grenade is because Ooh. the guy's on top. And, Look at that. Uh, oh, nasty chop. <laughs> Get the hell out of my way, Muda. Flair's nice all over the boat. place here. Yeah, real fun. It's a shame. You know, Flair took the book over and uh, – one thing he did pretty rapidly was make sure he turned himself back heel here by 1990. Of course, Ole Anderson comes in and wants Flair. Oh, Sting. Oh, nice sequence there. Muda dives out on the Flair, then Sting dives out on the Muda, and then Dick Slater just jumps out there. <laughs> it's like I'm not diving on anybody. I'm just gonna dive, just dive through the ropes onto nobody. Oh, Muda taking. This is some fun shit going. On. Oh, look at Dick selling. Oh, it's fun stuff going on outside the ring here. All these guys are great. Dick Slater, this oh, yeah. run is so brief for him, but just so underrated and so forgotten. It's a sh- it's a shame too because he was a, a major player in some of the territories earlier on, mid south and Florida and places. Well, him tagging with uh, Buck House Buck and doing that shit and the Stud Stable ninety four, ninety five, ninety three, whatever it was. Did him no favors. <laughs> no, no, and that's how most people remember him because that's really when wrestling started to, I won't say peak again, but with that Monday Night War kicking in, maybe if people were started tuning into Saturday Night or the occasional pay-per-view, that's what you got because Dick Slater again, once again, brought in to play Terry Funk in that stud stable because Terry Funk left WCW and they brought Dick Slater in to replace him in that tag team with Bunkhouse Buck. So that was basically his, his job there. And yeah, you're right. They did, you know, that does his career no favors if that's all anybody's ever seen of Dick Slater. But he's he's showing right here, man. He can he can go. He's he can he's work. fun. Yeah. And honestly, I hadn't seen Yeah, I hadn't seen much of, of this 1989 Slater in a very long time. So, uh, I'm impressed all over again. I really enjoyed his stuff with Dick Murdoch when they came in as the hardliners. I didn't necessarily enjoy their uh, ring gear, but I thought it was really cool to get Dirty Dick and, and Dirty Dick. Double Dirty <laughs> Dick. A double dose of Dirty Dick. Sounds like something Missy Hyatt might be into. I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for a comment, but... uh <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Well, I, I could have put Tammy Sitch in there when I said that, but I thought she would like more than a double dose, so I didn't couldn't really work that in. The face is getting a lot of uh, offense in. Yeah, they're, they're carrying this one. The heels haven't even really taken over yet. I'm imagining when they do, I'm going to guess it's going to be on Sting. I could be wrong. 
But I just keep waiting and waiting for the heels to take over and the baby faces have just really dominated and kept this thing going. That's really a Ric Flair thing. If you ever watch Ric Flair tag team matches, even if he's the heel, you see the baby faces dominate two thirds of the match before the heels get the heat. And I don't know if that's a Ric Flair thing or not, but it seems to happen more often than not in, in Flair tag team matches. Uh, if you go back and watch the clash with the, um, the horsemen against the midnights, when it's uh, Flair and Wyndham against the midnights, the midnights who are the baby faces dominate like two thirds of the match before the horsemen even really take control. And it's just constant heels trying to get the upper hands and the baby faces keep out doing them. And we get a crowd shot there, misses a spot. And Flair kicks Muda in the ass. So there you go. I'm wondering is the if those are Muda's eyes or if he's got that Jeff Hardy gimmick going on. Did he like paint his eyelids white? I'm starting to wonder. Do you think they were that clever back in those days? Uh I don't think so. It just he has like black around his eyes, so they're gonna stick out even more, especially when you're bulging him out like he was. I think that's uh that's what's gonna happen. That's the effect that he I don't I don't necessarily think he was going for that, but that's the effect that it has. Well it looks this like the heels the heels finally do have control, but it's against Ric Flair. I thought it would might have been against Sting here, but there's the handspring elbow and I'm waiting oh yeah, I was gonna be disappointed if we didn't get a flare flop out of the uh handspring elbow. And Slater, more than holding his own, is the partner here in replacement of Terry Funk. Again, not the same name value, but, you know, when you have no option, when you have no choice, uh, it's not like Terry Funk can come in here and work a whole match. In fact, I believe he was in the hospital still. That's how serious the staph infection was. He left the, the hospital, wherever he really was, whatever hospital he was really in, he left the hospital uh, just to come do this angle here tonight. And then back to the hospital. <laughs> uh, it's possible. Swinging a neck breaker. Those staph infections are no joke, man. Brutal. And we, you know, Halloween Havoc coming up, we're going to see the, the tag team rematch, basically. It's Muda, and it will be Funk by that point, taking on Ric Flair and Sting in the cage. Look <laughs> at <Get> that. <laughs> Just sitting on the middle rope with his feet up doing the spot. That was yeah, awesome just, looking. Just simple. Just doing little things like that. It's the same it's a spot you've seen a million times, but just doing it in a different way makes it stand out. That was that was great. We haven't seen the mist here tonight. I'm a little disappointed. Usually Muda's done it seventeen times by now. <laughs> Hopefully he's saving it for a big spot at the end, but I know there's other things coming, so it's it, it that it, we may not see mist tonight. I'm not sure. Maybe they don't want to outdo what's to come here. Flair drove into the, the railing. I'm waiting for him to gig. Like he does at the uh, end of Starcade 95. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Talk about a blade job. Good night. He's gushing. Yeah. Well, he saw he saw Brett Blade in your house in December and decided he's going to outdo Brett. <laughs> he did a good job of that. Oh, Boom. Man. I love that elbow. Yeah, look at the impact. So, so know, awesome. Maybe some mist coming now. I don't know. He's got his got his fingers in his mouth. Now, into the nerve hold of the nature boy. Muda's uh, almost paintless now. He's really been working hard. Well, Flair promised 
that he was going to make <laughs> wipe the uh, wipe the paint off of him with his sweat. And that seems to be what's happening here. I'm with you, man. I think the building's hot too. You saw Gary Hart in a promo just sweating bullets, and the show just started. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's Fort Bragg hot. Sting gets and speaking no, of hot, Sting gets the hot tag, and he's a house of fire so far. Sweating. Sting's even sweating pretty bad, and he's one of those guys that didn't really sweat too often. Sting's in the wrong side no, of town, though. No, no, no. Microsoft out, no, <laughs> no. out there. <laughs> Not many people are. But, yeah, you can't you can't base a sweat factor on a microtunda match. That's for sure. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Sting kind of Dick Slater looks like he was trying to get involved. Sting with a press on Muda. Oh, we got all kinds of it's Bonzo Gonzo, if you will, over here in the heel side of town. Stinger Splash coming up. Oh yeah, there it is. Tommy Young's busy on the outside with Flair and Slater. Sting's going for the Scorpion in the ring. That wide angle hard cam is awesome. That is such a cool spot. So oh, cool Gary, I was waiting for something. What the hell did he hit Sting with there? What the hell's that? What the hell was that? Gary Hart, he's some kind of a foreign object in his hand. Gary Hart comes in and nails Sting in the back of the head. While Sting had the scorpion applied on Muda. Of course, Tommy Young was busy with Slater and Flair, so he didn't see it. Someone's laying on the mat there. Yeah, it might have been a roll of quarters. Looks like there's a change all over the ring. That's very Chicago-like. I I, I can see that. I can see that from Gary Hart. Come on. Get down there and show that. Look at Muda power Sting up. Just dead dead weight into a powerbomb. The wow. great Muda busting out a powerbomb. That was all Muda. Sting did not help. He was dead weight there. I wonder if Gary got a hold of him for real. Knocked him loop for a loop a little bit. That's yeah, definitely quarters. You can see him there. Slater looking to drag Sting under the ropes here for a little catapult action. <laughs> oh, Sting's face almost hit the rope. <laughs> no, very yeah, fun match. One out. Tough very... toss one out. <laughs> So we get double heat here. They got heat on Flair. Now they're getting heat on Sting. Tommy Young didn't see Gary Hart's interference, but he sees quarters laying everywhere. Now the action out on the floor. Yeah, this has been a really good match. I got to say from from Bell, well, I can't say from Bell to Bell. It hasn't ended yet, but from the opening Bell, it's been nonstop action. These guys are really giving it their all here in prime time or, or near prime time on TBS. Yeah, like, how could you turn off the channel? You know, you tune in, you might see something, and you're like, oh, this is going to suck. But then it's, like, two minutes, and it's nonstop action. You're like, holy shit, this is actually pretty good. And then, like, I wouldn't turn the channel on this. There's no way. No, these guys aren't giving you a second to breathe. Yeah, there's no time to breathe. There's no time to really go, all right, this is the lull. They're doing the chin lock spot. No, it's just been go, go, go. Slater tries to lock the sleeper in there and sting with the jawbreaker. So now we might they be getting our... a... <laughs> What's that? They didn't get a. They did. They did a great job of formatting the show. You know you, that crap with Flair with the governor or whatever. Right. But you had Sid on the other side of it, so you're like, I'm not turning the channel here. Well, you I'm open up Sid hot. You get four badasses there. at the kickoff. You kick off the show with four badasses beating the crap out of each other, oh. and you're finishing a sto- uh, a feud, a program at the same time. 
And yeah. then, you know, it just goes on from there. Then it's like, who's this Z man? And then it's like, oh shit, Sid's going to kill somebody. And it just, you know, goes on from there. And then you got Pillman, who people love. So, yeah, just a really good, really good card. Really good everything. These guys came to play. They came Hot to tag. work tonight. Hot tag to Flair, and he's taking on both guys right now while Sting gets a, a, a little bit of a break. And Well, it didn't last too long. Now we got all four guys in the ring. Sting doesn't seem to know what to do here. Yeah, he's a little lost. I'm wondering if Gary Hart got him. I don't think so. He's been, I mean, he's been a little off ever since then. And I've seen Gary Hart. Down I think he got the mist. I think that was the mist right there. Sting went to pull Muda in the ring. I think he got misted. Looks like green mist to yeah, the face. So the camera didn't really get it. It wasn't really necessarily the camera's fault. That was a, a far away shot of the ring. Muda has basically no paint left on his face. So Flair kept his promise there. He promised to make Funk bleed and Muda sweat his paint off. And Funk's not in the match. So, but Flair's bleeding. Somebody just caught Flair. I'm not sure what caused them to maybe Slater. I was going to guess Slater's uh, cast. They took the wrap off the cast and nailed Flair with it. And then he just killed Tommy Young with it. So this one's over on a DQ. Sting and Flair won, but, uh, is that is that a fact? I, I didn't see what happened to Tommy Young there. I missed that. Yeah. Oh, the camera kind of missed it too. They were showing Flair, and then Dick Slater picked up Tommy Young and headbutted him. Or well, here we go. Terry Funk. Look at that bandaged arm, and that's that's legit. That's not a gimmick. Getting a plastic <laughs> bag or sometimes he's trying to suffocate. He's attempting murder on Ric Flair here to suffocate him, take the oxygen right out of him. Murder right here on TBS. <laughs> it looks like Funk did just leave the hospital. <laughs> Threw his clothes Look, off. He looks absolutely ridiculous. He looks like a. He looks like Curly of the three or uh, Larry from the Three Stooges with a suit on, with that hair the way it is right now, and his hair is all nappy and. <laughs> yeah, look at Flair, who just did a blade job, and then moments later, gets a bag stuck over his head. Again, attempted murder here by Terry Funk, blatantly right on TV. There was a cop out there fixing the guard. Oh, my gosh. Branding oh, iron to ankle. Stinger's ankle. And that, wow, look at he bent it over his ankle. So that'll help uh, Sting sell the ankle. Yeah. And JTEX leaving. I talked about the, uh, the following week on the grenade, kind of leading up to this show, but they did have an angle on Funk's grill where they were bagging like little stuffed animals that right. they made of Sting and Flair because they was bagging them up to sell them. They wanted to sell them. And we're back from so commercial break. They're tending to the Flair. That's what they did here. Right. Well, we're back from break, and they're tending to Flair, who's bladed a gusher as usual. We didn't really get to see it because he, he got suffocated in the process. But here he is. He's still alive, folks. Ric Flair's still alive here in 1989. Like I can't imagine the phone calls that TBS got for this angle here. The suffocation angle. Oh my god, I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. What was that angle we was talking about? It was WWF. Uh, they did something. Uh, Brett bleeding, right? Yeah, it was Brett bleeding what? in '95. Yeah, they got heat for that. They hadn't done blood since you know '86 yeah. or something like that. Pillman well, like I mean, got a fight. Look at his shirt. Well, Pillman. Well. 
That's the that's the look, man. There's key, there's Craig Leathers, associate director, Craig Leathers. So we know Craig Leathers is here now. He's in the building. Tony Schiavone is not a fan of Craig Leathers, the human being. There's Jackie Crockett still oh, working wow. cameras. Yeah, he said, you know, during the dying days of WCW, Craig Leathers tried to come in underneath everybody and uh, try to take over Eric Bischoff's spot and just a bunch of stuff. I haven't listened to it in a while. I'm very curious to go back and listen. But, yeah, I know Tony Schiavone is not a fan of Craig Leathers, the human being. But that concludes Clash of the Champions 8, the watch-along. And this whole angle right here, I- I'm assuming, like you said, it is qualification in favor of uh, Sting and Flair there. But this was all done. We had a great match, but it's all to set up the Halloween Havoc main event. And I don't mind the disqualification finish here at all. Not when you give me that much action leading into it. Not when you're telling me there's still a bigger payoff for the match. I I was fine with this 100%, this finish, and really the entire show. Yeah, I agree. And I also think, I know you kind of mentioned it, that they named Halloween Havoc settling the score a little premature because we didn't know what happened, but now they've seen the match and what happened. And then they, you got the three commercials from Halloween Havoc. Oh, it's settling the score, Halloween Havoc. We're going to get the payoff at Halloween Havoc. So you, you want to tune in for Halloween Havoc to see how it ends. So initially it doesn't sound like a good idea. I mean, outside of, you know, getting your show over, you know, months and like almost a month and a half in advance, obviously that's good, good business. But, um, now it all comes together, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I can't wait for Halloween Havoc." So, I'm with you. I don't, I don't mind the DQ finish at all. I think it fits, it works, and um, they did a great job of wanting people to see or getting me hyped to watch Halloween Havoc just to get the payoff. I can't wait for that show. Yeah, absolutely, and that'll be our next watch along here in a, in a matter of a few weeks. But uh, before we do that, we got a lot of TV to get through September and October of the NWA, but we have three watch alongs left, basically one every month. It's a really hot and heavy time here in the NWA. We've got a big show every month, Halloween Havoc in, in October, November, of course, the New York knockout with Flair and Funk at Clash of the Champions. And then Starcade 89 will close out the, the watch along series here as far as the 1989 NWA goes anyway on the grenade before we move on to another year and maybe another promotion, but we'll get more into that as we get closer to the end of 1989 here in the NWA. And Steve, man, this has been a fantastic time. Really fun show, fast and furious action for the entire hour and 45 minutes. It flew by. It really flew by. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. Like, <laughs> we really didn't have any downtime to talk about anything else. It was just so much action packed into an hour and 45 minute show. Solid, great job by Ric Flair and company booking this show and getting us to this point. Job well done by everybody, I think. And we'll be back next week. We're going to cover the first two weeks of September in the NWA 1989. Hopefully I can get into my archives and my storage room and find a few missing pieces of NWA footage and basically make it as complete as we possibly can uh, when we review it. We're going to do the best we can in reviewing the first two weeks of September here in 1989. Of course, then I'll, I'll run over real fast class results, and we'll talk about the fallout from the clash, and that'll lead us into the remainder of September beyond there. So uh, up in, uh, until then, until next week, Steve, I really appreciate you being here. Hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. All that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Merry Christmas to everybody. Hopefully uh, you have a safe holiday and uh, enjoy the family, but stay safe, guys.